Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fallis, and I am very happy to have Denise Soler Cox in the studio today. She will be talking about her documentary, Bien Eñe, and Project Eñe, which branches out of this movie. Denise Soler Cox is a Boricua and Cubana who was born and raised in New York. She's a Latina filmmaker, author, and transformational speaker dedicated to helping individuals, organizations, and companies transform how we experience culture, identity, and belonging. Bienvenida al estudio, Denise. Gracias. First of all, we are so glad that you're here in Ohio and talking about this important topic of owning our Latinidad. Can you tell us about your own experience of growing up in two cultures and perhaps in two languages? Sure. So growing up in two cultures, uh, to me, was a very lonely experience. It was pre-YouTube, pre-social media. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a lot of media to look at um, to see myself in or see the struggle that I was having. Mm -hmm. And I definitely didn't have... Um, anything but books like mm -hmm. um, Sandra Cisneros' House on Mango Street or mm -hmm. Julia Alvarez in the Time of the Butterflies. Those were the books that, that showed me that my experience uh, wasn't unique, but it wasn't enough for me to transcend the loneliness mm -hmm. um, until I was 26 and I had this kind of huge aha moment mm -hmm. where I realized I wasn't alone. And it was at that moment that I decided that I needed to tell as many people as possible and And the way I was going to do it was to make a film. Great. Um, a slogan or dicho or expression that is used to explain our Latino or Latina experiences in the U.S. is ni de aquí ni de allá, nor from here or there. But do you think that in this process of owning who we are, it should also move, move us to say de aquí y de allá? Mm. Uh, how does this movie or your project move us from a liminal space to a place of empowerment? I love that question. <laughs> Thank you very much for asking that question. Um, I, you know what? Here's how you do it. You do it on your own terms and the way that feels right for you um, with information that you have at your, at your fingertips mm -hmm. and using your own heart as your barometer. And I feel like the biggest thing that trips people up in that experience of being able to say, yes, I'm from here and there mm -hmm. is um, their own idea of... Um, of how it should look, quote unquote, or they're feeling too influenced by what others might think. But honestly, being able to transcend one's own ideas about what that looks like and, and being self-empowered to customize that, mm -hmm. um, to me, is that's the way, you know, and then you just keep iterating until you are like proud of the result, you mm -hmm. know, and there's no end. Um, you get to keep redesigning. Mm -hmm. Can you identify a uh, time? You, you mentioned that when you were 26, you had this aha moment, right? Um, can you also think back and uh, about a time where maybe this owning this two cultures or two languages uh, became this place of empowerment. Listen, I, I am bilingual or I, I live in two cultures and, and that's a place of empowerment or of, um, you know, it's a plus, it's not a minus, right? Um, can you 
Can you identify yes. something? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, for me, it's actually, it's, it's going to be kind of an ir- ironic example. Um, it was the moment that I had my very first interview for the project. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually was invited to be on Telemundo. Mm-hmm. And I said yes to the interview. I was so excited. We accepted the time and I was super excited. It was going to be the first time I'd be on television for it. And the one caveat, the gentleman told me as we were kind of arranging the interview, he said, you know Spanish, right? You're fluent in Spanish because we only do these things in Spanish. And I looked at him and said, of course I speak Spanish. Absolutely. No problem. And I'm like 80% fluent on the very best of days. And Mm -hmm. usually it involves a few glasses of wine. So (laughs) I was thinking, oh my gosh, I have to learn the rest of my Spanish between tonight and tomorrow at 10 a.m. And I totally freaked out. And needless to say, the interview was super, super hard. The Before I even got to the station, mm-hmm. I had this huge breakdown. And after I got home uh, or back to the office, I had this massive um, moment that was the defining self-acceptance moment. And it involved forgiving myself mm-hmm. for my Spanish not being good enough. Because I, like thousands of other people, believe the lie that my Spanish was the barometer of how Latina I am. And there are a lot of people that believe the lie and too many people perpetuating that lie. And I believed it. And I used that to measure my own Mm self-worth. And I decided from that day forward that my Spanish was enough, that I was enough, and the lack thereof was enough. And I forgave myself. And you know what? I had this incredible experience of... um, you know, from that point on, I was kind of like addicted to feeling bad about it. Mm. And so every single time it came up, I would remind myself, no, I forgave myself. No, I forgave myself. And over time, I actually forgave myself. And in that forgiveness came incredible self-acceptance. Right. Um, I thank you for saying that, because a lot of the students that I teach are Latino students uh, who grew up speaking Spanish as a heritage language. And in the first part of the semester um, is me uh, telling them your Spanish is good enough. Oh, we're just gonna, awesome. you know, we're gonna learn to use it in different settings and in different ways. Uh, but yeah, the message they have received is um, it's not good enough. It's not, you know, you speak funny or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, removes um, that experience of speaking Spanish in the U.S. because mm-hmm. it is different. Right. And and we need to celebrate that. Yes. And there's, it's so important to do the work that you do and, and teaching heritage speakers because there's so much shame. And I don't think people realize when you're teaching a heritage speaker, you're teaching that little boy or girl that feels ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the barrier of learning isn't uh, one's ability to conjugate or not. It's right. one's ability to transcend the shame. And then for maybe a moment, say, wait, I, and open the open the floodgates, open something to mm-hmm. let the learning in. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, it's got to be 10 times harder to teach a heritage learner because they're dealing, you meet the shame first. Right. It's not just the language, but mm-hmm. it's everything that um, they have received from 
other teachers or even family members sometimes. Actually, family members are the worst people. Mm -hmm. It's not the teachers. It's what the family members say. I remember when I went to Spain, my mother sent me to Spain by myself between my junior and senior year of high school to a program in Spain to finish my Spanish. Mm -hmm. And I came back totally fluent. And I also came back using words like vos Mm -hmm. and duchar instead of bañar. Mm -hmm. And I remember my family being like, oh, excuse me, Denise thinks she's better than us. (laughs) And I remember stopping Mm -hmm. speaking Spanish Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden those words uh, meant that I was better. And no one Mm -hmm. wants to feel like they're um, any more or any less, right? right? Uh, And so the families are really the ones that do the most damage. Mm -hmm. And we can't help it. We just do what we do. That's why it's important to have these conversations and get a chance to have another iteration of parenting or of being a brother or sister, cousin, or or what have you. Right, right. it is clear in your movie uh, that you experienced uh, personal revelations in a community of people who, like you, were and some are, are still there, right, um, struggling to understand or accept their hyphen. For example, Mexican hyphen American, Cuban hyphen American. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us about this? Um, I need more information. Uh, yeah, so this idea of, li- of being you know, um, Mexican, but growing up in the U.S. um, Mm -hmm. or having the Cuban heritage, but growing up in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, I once heard um, uh, uh, a woman identify herself as a American-born Nicaraguan. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) And so, um, you know, so do we have to choose one mm-hmm. um, how do we how do we manage living as a Mexican American in the US as a Cuban American in the US mm-hmm. do we have to choose one can we be both mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I think you know I, I always I love how you kind of frame the other question about being empowered and I am going to take the exact opposite frame for the answer to this question because I think there's a culture and I'm, I'm talking not outside Latino culture I'm talking inside Latino culture because mm-hmm. really that's the only one that hurts when the criticism comes because yeah. the, the criticism outside the culture just doesn't hurt as much right mm-hmm. and so when one is evaluated especially being a child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when family member says, you're like for me, for example, when I would go to Puerto Rico, you're not Puerto Rican, you're, mm-hmm. you're a gringa, you're mm-hmm. American. And, but back at home, you know, where I grew up, um, my house smelled like sofrito or like, mm-hmm. you know, platanos frying on a pan, I said right. in the movie, right? right? It smelled like a Puerto Rican house. Yeah. And so I felt like um, my family was telling me to be proud Puerto Rican. And then at school, I was being called a spick and being bullied mm-hmm. because of my ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in my homeland, right, the place that was home for me, the other home, right. the true home, I also felt a lack of acceptance there too. And so um, I'm not sure. It's, I, you know, it's funny, the hyphen conversation, I never think about that. I just, um, as a metaphor, and I know that it's a good one. Um, it's so I, I, the way I see it is this, there's like this external thing oftentimes brought on by our own families, mm-hmm. right? And the, those closest to us. And then there's the internal battle of self-acceptance and love, despite that confusion that mm-hmm. happens from the outside. And I think my job is to help people transcend that and let them know, you know what, even though this all happened to you, I am here to show you how you can transcend it. And it's not just because I say it's 
it's it's possible. It's snap my fingers and it changes. Mm-hmm. We have educational materials, our film, we have videos, we have content that helps people move through these life events mm-hmm. um, so that they can go through their own journey of accepting themselves all that you know with the way that they are and the way that they're not, and you know create that sense of identity that works the best for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I always think of the hyphen uh, personally as a bridge, not necessarily a separation, which is sometimes uh, how people view it as a split, right? As not fully American or fully Cuban, but to me is this bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And people might think of it in different ways, but that's how I see it. Like that's part of, you know, that's what connects me <laughs> right. with both cultures. And the mm-hmm. thing is, is I love the bridge puente like metaphor. Mm-hmm. And what it leaves out for me is an understanding of the complexity of the ideology. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my mom came here, she holds her Puerto Rican identity. It doesn't even, it's, it's just so part of who she is, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Enyas that are born here and those thereafter, it's those kids that also have to adopt um, the self-reliant ideology, which is the predominant do- and the dominant ideology mm-hmm. here in the United States, which is a me-focused ideology, mm-hmm. right? Uh, coming from uh, my mother and you, right? Mm-hmm. Coming from countries where collective is the predominant ideology, mm-hmm. family is more, the group is is the center mm-hmm. versus the United States. Here, it's I'm the center, me's mm-hmm. the center, right? And so um, my mother really never could understand that and nor would we expect her to because she just came solidly from the collective ideology Mm -hmm. and brought it Mm -hmm. here as her child um then i am kind of um myself and all enyas are the burden is sorting out what part of me should be collective and what part of me should be self-reliant and that's the gap so we're all Mm -hmm. told no being bicultural it's awesome but yeah you know what it's also super hard Mm -hmm. but it's not super hard like in a hopeless way Mm -hmm. it's super hard in a way that's like yeah and guess what I'm going to give you the rule book I know no one was handing them out when you were a kid (laughs) but I wrote the rule book we figured it out and we want to teach people um, that there's, there's two different places that they can come from and that they're really a hybrid mm-hmm. and um, and they get to decide how they want to be. Um, and that to me is the most beautiful thing. Right, right. Um, on your website, you say that you married a gringo. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Me too. Awesome. <laughs> um, how has this shaped your understanding of mixed families and how do you plan or hope to support your own children through their mixed heritage um, like my, my girls, right, mm-hmm. uh, are are both uh, Latinas and um, white Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how do you see this happening in your yeah. own family? <laughs> well, so I'll say this. It's funny, you know, uh, in a perfect world, um, I think I would have at least married someone that was bilingual in Spanish, <laughs> you know, um, that I wouldn't have that barrier. Because even though language, I've got strong feelings about people kind of judging other people on their Latinidad based on language. I also feel strongly about the language and that it's an incredible tool to pass down culture. It's not the only one, but it's a great one, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, even though my Spanish isn't perfect, um, had, I believe my had my husband been bilingual, my kids probably would have been more bilingual now. And but they're not, and you don't get to choose who you fall in love with, and right. um, and so one way I'm kind of dealing with that is sending them to school next year where they where language is prioritized in the school, mm-hmm. and they'll learn it properly. Um, 
in school. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's kind of how I'm reconciling that little piece. As far as anything else, my girls are, um, one looks like Snow White and one looks like her redheaded sister. And so when <laughs> I ask my girls about their ethnicity, they're nine and 10, they know they're Puerto Rican and Cuban. And you know, we point out all the, all the Latinos on television and I'm like, oh my God, they're Puerto Rican, oh, they're Cuban or Despacito, like that was in Puerto Rico. And they have a lot of pride to be Puerto Rican because mm-hmm. I know when they walk in a room, no one's ever going to think that they're Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of over um, do it and Mm -hmm. overcompensate for it. So they know it and they feel comfortable. And I I told them already too, no one's going to think it. And so you have to know the language and know the culture so you can represent us, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm Yeah, and my husband's a hundred percent supportive of it. And um, create a more inclusive view of who Latinos are. Oh correct? my gosh, yes, right? so yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yes, where we look different, we have different lev- levels of Spanish or English. Um, where we're black, uh, white, black, indigenous, all of Asian. that, right? Asian, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what is one of the most positive outcomes or most memorable memorable things that you have witnessed as a result of this project? Um, Both the movie and Project Enya. Yeah. So I would say um, the most positive outcome on a personal level is being able to have walked around with a dream of wanting to do something for 17 years and convincing myself I was not the right person for it. Um, But then one day, just like taking that one first bold step to do it and taking the next one and the next one. And then eventually I'm sitting on this chair with you today. Mm -hmm. And um, I get to be somebody that went after a dream. Mm -hmm. And that dream happens to be of service to hopefully millions of people. Tonight will be our 99th live screening Mm -hmm. of the film. Mm -hmm. And I've been all over the United States over the last three years. And I have made the most incredible friendships and developed the most incredible um, network of, I mean, just incredible Latinos, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I always feel like I'm the biggest benefactor, even though the film is a gift and the project is a gift and the content is a gift to help transform other people's lives. um, It's my own feeling of um, kind of selfishness because I feel like, man, if everyone knew what I knew, if everyone could experience what I experienced, they would be so confident all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's my job to try to transfer that to as many people as possible because to know who you are um, is like the greatest gift. And also to know that the most important thing in life are relationships. And and how we get great relationships is when I believe that you and I are more similar than different, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So in the movie, and I think um, I was... uh, reading your website too you said that one of the things that was uh, an obstacle was money you didn't have money to do this right Uh, but aside from that what has been the hardest thing of this journey yeah so yeah aside from not having my I mean I sold my wedding rings my car got repoed I had to move (laughs) out I was going to buy the apartment that we lived in couldn't do that anymore and none of those things were harder than um my own self-doubt none of them and Mm -hmm. so a lot of times people will say like what do you how do you deal with the haters how do you deal with these external problems they're nothing compared to my own self-talk um my self-talk can get pretty nuts Mm -hmm. and um and I also know that I'm no different than anyone else Mm -hmm. and um the biggest obstacle I have to transcend every day all day is my is the lie is a lie that 
keep saying you can't do this, this isn't going to whatever, whatever it is, whatever lie I'm telling myself that Mm -hmm. day, right. Mm -hmm. And so I get the opportunity to say no, actually, I'm going to prove that wrong. And I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep pushing and keep making this as big as possible. But I believe for all of us, there is no out there. There is only in here. And Mm -hmm. when we master in here, because it never stops. It's like the devil and angel. The devil's always going to be like, you're not good enough, right? Right. It's always there. But how how long do we let that voice talk? Mm -hmm. Because for me, that voice does not get a long time to talk because I read, I listen to podcasts, I listen, listen to books. I am constantly flooding my mind and my heart with positive uplifting, inspiring information. Mm -hmm. And it just cannot survive on the daily, but it's there tomorrow morning, right? Mm -hmm. And then I tell it to quiet down and I do my day. Right, right. Um, Is there anything else you would like to say to our audience about you, your movie or future projects? I I mean, everything that you've said so far, it sounds wonderful to me and, and, and such a valuable resource for for us as Latinos and Latinas, but also for those that um, that want to learn more about mm-hmm. who we are, mm-hmm. um, I think of you know educators, uh, people in in the health profession. All I mean, it's not just this is not a tool just for us. This is this is a resource mm-hmm. uh, for you know, for everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really is. And so I would say the very first thing that everyone should do is see the film mm-hmm. and give your, you know, take 37 minutes out of your life and watch the film. And you can do that at enyethemovie.com, E-N-Y-E, themovie.com. And that will set off um, an opportunity to watch some content that I've put together also. So you'll get a chance to see the movie, but also watch some of my most latest thinking mm-hmm. on how to manage ourselves, ourselves at work, ourselves with our families and then like that internal dialogue right and um you know and then also give the the person a chance to kind of envelop themselves in even more content and you know if they want to dive into the deep end we give them an opportunity to do that but one thing I want to say is that a lot of times at the screenings people will stand up at least one person will stand up and they'll say you know this movie isn't just for Latinos I'm like Algerian Mm -hmm. and and I have that same story or I'm Korean and I have your same story and I always say yes thank you like you know this is if you're a human being and you have a heartbeat you know what it feels like to not fit in Mm -hmm. and hopefully this film gives some reconciliation to people like that and But here's what's interesting is that I received a note from a woman um, and I didn't know where she wrote this note to me from. But then later on, she told me um, that she watched the film and that she was from um, uh, Sri Lanka and but that she currently lived in Saudi Arabia Mm. and that the film, she said, was her life. Mm. And she changed the names of the languages and the places and the geography, but that this human being and me, human being, had Mm -hmm. the exact same experience. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, the biggest mind-blowing part about this is that, yeah, if you're interested in in a conversation called the impacts of global migration on identity, Mm -hmm. um, this is going to be a very powerful film. Or if you're interested in a conversation about mental health and how it affects mm-hmm. young Latinas, this is going to be a film. Or if you're an ally and you really want to understand what it's like um, to grow up in the United States and have this weird identity crisis, um, this is a film for you. Mm-hmm. Great. 
Denise, gracias por tu visita y conversación. Esperamos que todos vean este importante documental y apoyen el proyecto. Uh, gracias por venir aquí al estudio y estar en, en Ohio. Eh, too bad we weren't the hundredth one. I know, I mean, right? been, like, we need to have balloons and a cake and everything. Um, a todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Thank you.